I don't the, originally we were gonna do a thing last time we talked, I don't know. It was like uh we were gonna do like another Bible story, but I don't even remember what it was gonna be about. <laughs> I don't either. I saw um Craig just walked by like right before uh we were talking and he was asking if we were gonna do the podcast. I was like, I'm actually not sure. I don't know if we're just catching up, if we're doing podcasts. If we are, I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, uh, I just figured we would wing it because I had some things on my mind about um what we were just talking about. Okay. Be good. About like being a father, because if we do have any listeners <laughs> at all, uh, I probably don't know that I that my yeah partner and I are expecting a child yeah. in Woo-hoo. June. Yeah. So like all these things start to you start to think about new things. People tell you these things when you're childless and you're like you don't really relate to them, mm. you know, until the moment of it, you know. Definitely. Until it happens to you. Right. <laughs> so I but I recently this is gonna be strange. But uh, I, Sarah and I rewatched 1989 Batman, the Tim Burton, Michael Keaton Batman. Nice. And I'd always had this thought about what the Joker in that movie and his shenanigans are metaphor for. Okay. And I always thought that, you know, in the movie he is he falls into a vat of hot chemicals and survives and comes out as the Joker. Mm-hmm. And then he like takes over that chemical plant, he and his gangster friends, and then start pumping out all these chemicals that turn people into, they kill them and then give them the Joker smile. Do you remember that? I don't even, I don't even remember that. Yeah. God, I see. That's weird because like we that was do you remember how big that movie was for us? Completely. When we were kids in summer oh. nineteen eighty nine. We went to go. We were probably went to go see Dad, right? Yep. For the summer. Totally. So I, I started re- I started writing this film essay on this. Okay. That includes like that vignettes of like visiting our dad, the history of like comic books to us through him. Nice. nice. And then. It connecting to cancer and he died of cancer and like this movie to me is about cancer because the metaphor of like how Batman so Batman breaks the code right they can't figure out like what is causing these people to die mm-hmm. and there's a scene there's reoccurring scenes of like the local television news covering the issue and they haven't showered in days they're not putting on makeup because they're afraid that if that in any of these products are making you die. Okay. So Batman, right. Batman cracks the code of like, it's when you use them in unison, like if you use hairspray with deodorant or toothpaste with face wash, but if you use okay. like one at a time, you'll be okay. It's the combination of these chemicals. And I mm. thought, I've always thought that that is a perfect metaphor for cancer in the modern mm. age is like, you know, dad probably died of, he was a smoker, but he also ate spam in a can, <laughs> processed food. He used Mitchum, which won't, you won't sweat for like three days if you use that. Right. So it was like a, for me, it was always like when dad passed away, 
there's always a mystery of like, why him? Why his mm-hmm. mother? Why at the same age? Are we destined for that fate mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. How do we avoid it? Mm-hmm. And I was always like trying to figure it out. Okay, well, if I don't smoke, right, and I eat healthier, and I exercise, and I avoid Mitchum, <laughs> easy enough, uh, then maybe I can live longer, a little mm-hmm. longer life than that those two people. Hmm. So I started, you know, I've been writing this essay about this and it just brings me back because we, you know, we've done, if you listen to the show, we did a two-parter on our dad and talked about cancer, but now there's another level now because I'm going to be, the kid's going to be a boy and. Oh, you know, for sure. Yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah, we they did it. They did a, they did a, you know, when you go do the ultrasounds, they print them yeah. out for you. Yeah. And she printed one out of his peen whopper. <laughs> Just that, like a close up or something? It's like a picture of his like pelvis and like thighs right. and then right. like, the the tally whacker. <laughs> the evidence. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was convinced it was a girl. So I'm Were you? I'm, Oh, dude, I've I am I am now zero for four. So all three all three of our older kids, we knew Julep was a girl, but all three of our older kids, um, I thought they were opposite of what they turned out to be. So really, in in the Mayhall family tradition that I've started for myself, I'm zero for four. <laughs> wait, it would be five. Well, four. You're right, because Julep. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we knew Julep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised too, man. To be honest with you, for most of my life, I probably thought that I would never have a kid, and if mm-hmm. I did, it'd be a girl. Because I didn't mm-hmm. think, like, you know, over the years, not to get too explicit, but you know, you live a life and you you have relations with people, and nothing ever happens accidentally. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the the fluid's not strong. Right. The you boys know. don't swim that hard. Right. But then we so we didn't you know, we when we decided like, hey, let's try and have a kid. Mm-hmm. It happened immediately. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was surprising. Yeah. That it happened so quickly. And there could be something about intent there, you know, being more powerful. Yeah. Well, and and your partner also. I mean, that obviously yeah. is a deal. I mean, that I'll say for um <laughs> for for Jonah and Camden, it was right away. Like as soon as we decided, we're intentional about having a kid. Number one, got pregnant. Intentional about kid number two, got pregnant. So, um, yeah, yeah. And just to fill in the gap, I just had this conversation not that long ago with Cohen. Because he asked the question, we have our fr- our friends Craig and Jody, who are probably listening right now. Shout out! Um, they're about to have their third baby, and they told they told they started telling people they told our kids around Christmas time or so. And um, and Jonah, all three of the older kids were in the car when we were driving back, and um, I said something about you know they weren't necessarily planning this child or something like that, and um, and so my. My son Jonah's like, so were we all planned? And I'll say, I said, well, Jonah and Camden definitely were. And then so Cohen's like, what? Are you <laughs> saying? 
And he had the greatest line. He was like, so I'm just basically a night of fun is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and you've been fun ever since, son. Um, but no, that's awesome, man. That's exciting. Yeah, it's uh, and then the the fact that it's a boy too surprised me. I was mm-hmm. really because we found out earlier than we were supposed to because they do this chromosome test, mm-hmm. you know, checking for chromosomes that lead to like Down syndrome and things right. like that. And they we get the the results back and it says consistent with male. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, so it could be a boy. And then we go to the we go to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, that was on there. That shouldn't be on there. But yeah, that's probably ninety-nine percent accurate. Oh wow. And that was that's before crazy. you know they they did right. the ultrasound and showed right. everything. But yeah. Right. So does that does that change your perception of fatherhood in any sort of way? Like if you were if you yeah, were thinking yeah, if you're thinking in one way, like, hey, it's probably going to be a girl, and now all of a sudden it shifts to a boy, like, what what are some of the things in your mind that kind of transform? Yeah, I think that if it were a girl, you probably think it would probably be easier for a dad. Hmm. I don't know why I think that, but now I think that it's a boy, it's like, I think it puts more pressure on the dad. Okay. To be, to be better and to be a good, to, I don't know. Maybe that's bad. I mean, that's wrong. Thinking. No, I don't. I don't think there's a right and wrong. I think it depends on the personality. I think some people naturally feel like, well, because I'm a guy and I'm raising a boy, I'll relate to him easier. So that's for a boy's easier. But then other people would have a different perspective, like you do, and go, well, I don't know if. If if my life is good enough to model and maybe connecting to a different one, it'll bring out a softer, gentler side of me. Raising a girl will be easier. So I think it just depends on the person. Yeah, I think that's what I've been thinking a lot about, especially since writing this thing and relaying some of the things about dad in this. Hmm. Because part of it is like talking about how, you know, in that that summer of 1989. He had a job. He had a good job. He was working for that print company, right? Yeah. I think that was, they were, that was a pretty good point in his life, I would think. Was that was that the Buzz print place? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And just thinking about how, like, how fun that summer probably was, you know, like we were – I do have memories of that summer, actually, yeah. because because you mentioning Batman, I remember that that was a big theme at Six Flags that year. Yeah, yeah, and we got and the so, shirts. Yep, and I remember I wore my shirt on the first day of school, thinking that I was going to be like Mr. Cool, and um, I didn't feel like Batman translated quite as quite as well in Maine as it did in Dallas. No, <laughs> I didn't. But yeah, I remember. Yeah, going to Six Flags and like that Batman thing being everywhere. Totally. And, uh, I remember talking like when we were we went to work with Dad one day, mm-hmm. or were there, we were there briefly or something. And his boss was there talking to Dad about he had seen the movie mm-hmm. and that it was darker than he thought it would be, you know. And 
him saying like, yeah, but then I started thinking back about, about like the old comic books mm. and they were kind of dark. And my and dad was like, no, not his head. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. I think dad had seen it before us. And oh, for then, real? Yeah. And then went and saw it with us again. Okay. It's probably smart actually. Yeah. Just well, to I mean, test, test drive it. He wasn't very like, I mean, I don't think, think he was doing it because he thought it was too dark for us because he remember when he was trying he tried to take us to go see legend <laughs> and mom freaked out because it's got the devil in it or a depiction yeah. of the devil i do remember that totally and mom mom would let us go yes yeah which i'm actually thankful for are you i don't do well with scary movies oh. to, this, to this day well i think it was like more of a like a fantasy film you know, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was, hard. but but sometimes I have a hard time, like either way, whether it's fantasy or horror. If it's just scary or there's scary images, I still struggle with at times. Like you have nightmares. I don't think it's nightmares. I think it's more just the way it makes me feel. Like it just makes me feel dark. You know, it makes me <laughs> make not like I'm gonna go commit a crime, but like I think it makes me just. I don't know. It just, just, it doesn't make me, um, it just doesn't put me in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, well, don't watch Euphoria. Okay. Sounds good. Is that the one with Zendaya? Yeah. Is that pretty, pretty gnarly? Pretty gnarly. Okay. Like Sarah and I, I watched the first season of it and then during COVID, they had these two standalones. Right. And I watched those because in the second one, Lauren's in it. No way. Yeah, she's like, she plays like, um, it's a big role. She's very good in it. She plays like one of the characters' uh, therapists. And the whole, like the whole episode is just her and that girl in the therapy wow. session. Yeah, she's really great in it. When did um, this come out? Is this recent? Yeah, I mean, it was during... It was like last year. Okay. Uh, at some Good point, because the Good show's very work. Yeah, the show's well, she works all the time. Like once people know that this person was in my life at one point, they're all everybody's like, "Hey, man, I saw her in this. I saw her in this. I saw her." So oh, she, for real. I think she's been doing well. I don't know whatever that means, but I, I don't know. Um, she. So anyway, we started watching. So Sarah got caught up on it. We've been watching the second season because that's like in process right now. Okay. And every time we watch it, we're like, <laughs> like we're like, ah, it's good, but it's like, it's just too much. Because it's but what, really, really what is gnarly. It? It's like teenagers in high school okay. doing drugs. It's mostly drug related because like they're okay. they're doing like prescription drugs okay and other stuff and it just go it's just like a dark path and then like the kids are just like there's you know there's sex and then there's like one of the one of the characters is transgender right um and then there's like just really dark stuff going on so it's just like you can watch it you're just like oh it's not it's good it's not not a feel-good show very disturbing and it's also like some people would say like it's accurate but it's like no come on <laughs> this is if this is accurate then just blow the whole world up 
Gotcha. All right. But anyway, I get what you're saying though. Like I, horror movies don't. Sometimes they have done that for me. Mm-hmm. Like where I I remember watching uh, The Grudge. Did you ever see that? No. Is Probably that the not. one with the? Is that the one where the the girls like crawling on the ground and stuff? Yeah. No. Or is it? Maybe it's another one. Maybe it is a grudge, but there's like this scene where she's sleeping and she pulls up, like looks under the covers, and that oh. person is like crawling towards her. So you I can remember. just stop, just stop. Yeah. <laughs> I had like a, I had a nightmare with yeah, that that's, one. That that's enough. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the sort of stuff that I don't like. Like I, I can, I can deal with like heavier dark stuff. And sometimes the fantasy stuff and sometimes the real life type things, you know, particularly from a drama perspective, if the acting and the storytelling, you know, is really, really in depth. Um, but it's the horror stuff, man. It's that sort of creepy stuff I just don't do well with. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah. But it's, So it's a, I was glad I didn't see Legend. That's where we came from. Yeah. Tom Cruise is in it, too. Yeah, and isn't um, what's her face? Um, Robin Wright. Is she in it? I don't know. No, it's the no. it's the one who's um, she's married to Paul Bettany, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, she might be. Yeah, I think she's in it when she was like young or something. Yeah, it could be her. Yeah, it's a Ridley Scott movie. Oh, for real? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, which I watched something recently of his that was pretty good. The Last Duel. What's that about? It's Ben Affleck, uh, hmm. his buddy, um, Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon. Right. And um, what's his name? Ben plays Ben Solo. Oh yeah, Adam um, Driver. Adam Driver, yeah. Yeah, and it's set in like the 1400s in France. Really? And it's like a R- Rashomon type story. Like they tell the story through three different points of view. That's cool. Yeah, it was pretty good. Hmm. Nice. Anyway, um, what we were talking about though was with the. Did you like when you were so when you were having when you had your kids? Dad was already passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have? Did you think about him a lot? Oh my God! All the time. I still yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but I, I feel like in in some ways I mourn the amount of time that I've mourned for dad um, since I've I've been married and had children like far. Obviously, that's more time in general, but like it far exceeds the t- the amount of time that I mourned like like right after he died. You know, when you talk about like the funeral and and dealing with the family and stuff like that. Um, I think I have those moments of mourning where I'm just like, gosh, it'd be really cool like to see him interact with our kids. It'd be really cool for him to like, you know, have the have the chance or for them to have the chance to be like, hey, granddad's picking us up, and we're gonna go see a Marvel movie. You know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like I was that's what I was sort of like trying to to get at when I was writing this thing, but it brought back a lot of stuff about like, you know, at the time that he, that he died, you know, right before he got cancer, you know, life wasn't that great for him, you know, Mm -hmm. 
and you know he had taken that year off to like try to be a cartoonist or you know make it as a cartoonist and mm-hmm. i always thought back to like that being like he only tried that one year you know like he was always doing that stuff yeah but like really really like went after it for a year and then failed and i wonder if that why he didn't keep trying to do it you know because i i think about that a lot being trying to be a writer Mm -hmm. or trying to make a living at it yeah and like not wanting to give up because the drive to do it is still there but i wonder if i wondered how his outlook was on it you know like and you know you always you always think like in terms of things being passed down to you like what are you what are you um what are you afflicted with you know I mean, it's possible. I mean, I, I I always, I don't know. I think I've had the impression, we may have spoken about this before, but I've always had the impression that like he was kind of given a deadline. Like, like Edwina, his wife basically was like, we're going to give this a year. And then after a year, it was kind of like, okay, it's time to get a job kind of a thing. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's always kind of been my impression of how that time went. But he could have had a, a job and kept doing it. Oh, just the fact that he never kept trying, even yeah. outside. Yeah. Like he, he just sort of like gave it up. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's the thing though, Josh, is people deal with failure differently, yeah. you know, and that's part of part of different people's makeup. And I, I think it goes back to, you know, the nature versus nurture argument. I do think that that it's it's usually a bit of both and so there might be a little bit of of you know nature that you've inherited from dad in regards to i think just the creativity and artistic aspect of life um because he definitely had that you definitely have that but you grew up in different environments and you've been around different people and you know partners are different and friends are different and environments are different and so um, maybe he just didn't have as as nurturing an environment as he needed, re- either early on or or later or both. You're saying that maybe what was nurtured in him was probably not something artistic, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, you know, because people respond to failure differently, um, some of that is, you know, people don't have it in them. And they've never had it in them to keep going and to persevere until the nth degree. Some people do. Some people don't. Sometimes people, you know, got different capacities. But it also helps when you have people around you who are who never stop believing in you and are always encouraging you and give you the space to do it. And I don't know. Maybe he didn't have that at critical moments of his life. I'm not sure because I I think you're right that he definitely – almost seemed defeated when that didn't happen you know and i don't know what that's like like i mean i definitely have been low and i've been humbled and i've felt like okay i can't do certain things anymore but that's a really big dream you know and i don't i don't i've never i don't think i've really ever faced that um so i don't know how i'd respond in it but um gosh you know it's gotta be it's, it's difficult no matter what and maybe he just didn't have have it in them. Yeah. I mean, I have often thought that the same thoughts about the cancer fight as well. 
I don't know if it was just too far along when he caught it, but like I don't know. I have often wondered if like there was some sort of give up there as well. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, lots of people do do kind of you know make that decision, but you know, in in relationship to his dad, our grandfather, I have always felt that Paul Paul gave up. Yeah. So. Maybe maybe that was something they shared. That's not that's that's a terrible thought, kind of. It is, but you know, again, I don't think that those sorts of things are predetermined, you know, yeah. in our in our life. So it doesn't scare me because, um, yeah, we've got different lives. In writing this piece, I also liking that there's this part i don't know if you remember the uh, there are these matte you know you know what matte paintings are yeah for cgi they used to do these big matte paintings yeah and they they go back to in batman and it's a matte painting of the access chemicals in the middle of gotham okay and it's like belching out this nasty smokestack thing you know and i was i always went back to like how when we grew up in bastrop the paper mill looked similar yeah right yeah and and i've I've often wondered like how much of his unhealthy life and his mother's unhealthy life stemmed from living in that town because i did a little research could be that paper mill's not there anymore Mm -mm. But there are some uh, cases, like lawsuits, still open, Can't, like that are related to asbestos because they made asbestos there, hmm. and like lo- there's a lot of lung cancer in that town. Really? Yeah, or was? I mean, there were like 500 cases of it. Wow. Over the years. And you remember how we used to go, like, you take that old Monroe Road to Monroe? The back mm-hmm. way, and there mm-hmm. was Stink Creek. Stink Creek, I do remember that. And that was like it was supposedly like the runoff of the paper mill. Yeah, and like I mom do. would tell us like in her way that if you fell in there, you know, it'd burn your skin off. Right. You know, right. it's like, hey, don't look at the full moon, and it'll make you <laughs> get naked and climb up trees. <laughs> do you remember her telling us that? I literally thought you just made that up. She said no, that to us. Mom told me that once. She was, was there a full moon. There was a full moon out. <laughs> what? And she said, "Don't look at the moon." And why? Because it'll make you get naked and cry, climb up trees. There's no way she said that. Yeah. She also said that I was allergic to chocolate when I never was. <laughs> well, I think that was a parenting strategy <laughs> to get you to eat less chocolate. That's just desperation right but there. But I believe man. that. Yeah. I was well, allergic to it. For how long? I don't know. I mean, if you say like last week, I'm going to say this is on you. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it couldn't have been that long, but it was like, it was enough for me to believe it for a while. Wow. But anyway, um, the Stink Creek <laughs> thing. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, she told me a lot of weird things. Like, what else did she say? 
it still amazes me. Like, I know we've talked about this a ton, but like, it just amazes me. We're like, I feel like we almost had two different childhoods. Really did. I mean, it's, it's all based on perception. Perception is just different, you know. Well, in memory. But you're also like, you were also different, you know, the first kid, and like, kind of never got in trouble. So like. Yeah, my, but that doesn't take into account why someone would tell you not to look at the moon. I, th- I mean, I think she told you that too. You just don't remember it. Okay. Like I, you had to be there. I would think. told us both not to stare at the <laughs> full moon. And it just like sunk into your brain. <laughs> I just thought it was fantastic. Like, crazy. I can't wait to try it. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I want to see that. <laughs> like, cause it's like, it was, like I probably like likened it to like werewolves. Oh like, yeah. Like, I can understand that. You know, like people turn into werewolves at a full moon, they'd be naked and climb up a tree, you know, true, like that true. makes sense. Right. You know, so. <laughs> okay. I don't know, man. Like, she used to tell us things that were pretty raw, though. Like, the, I don't know if you ever, like, there was some guy that she told us. I don't know if this was a cautionary tale of, like, growing up in the South and, like, better not mix the races. But she said that there was some guy who had, like, dated a black girl in Bastrop and got tarred and feathered. Hmm. That was very scarring to hear. It probably was true, though. Probably was. Yeah, I don't remember that specifically, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But anyway, like growing up in Bastrop was very interesting. Yeah, it was a unique place. But like going back to like the sort of chemical fallout of okay. a, a place like that. Was just, it just resonates for me to watch that mm. Batman movie and be like, to liken it to like, yeah, like this is how the world is kind of to me. I don't know. Mm. I don't know mm. if it's true that if it's true that that's how things work, but like it's just I feel like it's a really good metaphor. So like as you're watching this recently, like are all those thoughts just going through your mind? You're making those sorts of connections. Yeah, I mean, I had formed this metaphor or like connected with this metaphor for for a long time. But like I wanted I had never really written about it and I wanted to like go back and watch it again before I started writing this thing Mm -hmm. about it. And yeah, I mean, it was all there. And like the Joker is treated. Pretty much like depicted the same way just differently he's a chaos agent right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he to me he represents the chaos of the universe Mm -hmm. you know and that's what cancer is it's chaotic yeah you know there's no rhyme or reason to it because there's someone like that's sick like dad they'll get it and that makes sense but then there's someone completely healthy exercises every day vegetarian whatever can get it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's like Trying to the the human condition is to me trying to make sense of the the chaos. The chaos. And I think on you know on a certain level that's what religion is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's kind of man's search, right, is to make sense yeah. of what doesn't make sense. 
Yeah. Like we're all like these little detectives trying to piece together a puzzle. Right. I think that's why like mysteries are so satisfying to people like reading detective books or mystery books. Mm -hmm. That's why they're so popular. And like, they're always on the New York times bestselling list or the, you know, whatever. Like mm-hmm. that's all mom reads. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a satisfying thing because it, somebody puts together this puzzle and figures it all out. No, I agree. I think it is very satisfying because part of it is like you're wanting to figure it out before they reveal it. Yeah. And then be affirmed that you figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I mean I guess though the metaphor breaks down at some point, right? Because um from the standpoint of like if the Joker is the chaos and cancer is the chaos, and I actually don't remember how the movie ends, but he defeats the Joker, right? Well, it's a very interesting ending because Batman is sort of presented in that movie as sort of a redeemer because the last scene happened in a church. I've got to watch this movie again. It's been like a long the time. last scene is like they go into that to the church. Remember, it has that long stairway that they 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 walk up. Kind of. And like the Joker, like sprays. Uh, when he gets to the top, sprays the acid on the bell, and the bell falls all the way down. Oh right, right, yes. Yeah. So like they're at the very top of this church fighting, and then they the Joker falls over ledge and then they go to look over and he pulls them both over because he had landed on a spot mm-hmm. that he's standing and then a helicopter comes to pick him up and Batman shoots a gadget that grabs his a hold of his leg into a gargoyle and the gargoyle right, that's right. And he falls to his he's death stuck. but yeah. he's laughing still at the end right right Okay. Second fall in the movie, too, for the Joker. The first one transforms him, and the second one kills him. But it happens in a church, so like Batman's sort of like a holy redeemer. Redemptive figure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's also like a really strange movie because it's there's like this causal loop in it because Batman creates a Joker, but the Joker... When he was Jack Napier, created Batman because he killed his parents. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Hmm. So So they're both both responsible for each other in some sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But it it brought back a lot of – it's just strange how it ties into our our personal life, you know? Mm -hmm. Like dad being so – he was such a comic book nerd. You know, and I wondered if he saw these things. I wonder if he looked at it like did, did that image of access chemicals, that matte painting, did it sear his mind as much as it did mine? Him growing up in that town. Right. Well, and then thinking through maybe a similar question about his own mother. Yeah. And her and her cancer. And yeah. and and thinking through, like in, in some ways, there's even more of a relation to the Joker from the standpoint that the Joker falls into the chemicals and is physically transformed. One of the, one of the things about his mother's cancer was she was physically transformed as well, yeah. you know, because well, it so got in. So yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but I guess for her, like, I mean, he over time was physically transformed, but like because of the surgery that she had with it being um, in her eye or I think that's where it started at or whatever, like she wore a patch for a long time. Like I remember a lot of the pictures that we have of her when we were – when I was a kid, a real young baby, was with her with a patch over her eye, yeah. you know, and it is almost – you know, because it's in the, you know, mid 70s, it it almost looks a bit cartoonish, you know, to a 21st century, um, yeah. you know, eye. Yeah. So, so you do wonder, like, if he did, if he did make those connections, if it was, if it was personal to him in that way. I'd like to think that it was. It's not. It. it I think it's always comforting to think about your parents thinking deeply about things and making connections, you know, that are personal and, and meaningful. So yeah, it is nice to think about that. He was more of a Superman guy though. Was he? Yeah. I thought he was more of a uh, Marvel guy than a DC guy. Is that not I right? He was both, but I think that Superman was like, he always bought the Superman, like everything with Superman, and I always I would talk to him. I like, why do you like Superman so much, man? Like he's just like a dope. Um, <laughs> dope. Like you, like he's just like, okay, he can do everything. It's not fair. How's it <laughs> like he, you know, like how does like? I guess it's probably the hardest thing to write Superman, like Superman stories, and make it interesting, you know. Well, and he was he was probably the most popular one when he was a kid, you know. So. It's hard to shake. It's hard to shake that childhood connection. The Marvel thing, though, is like very interesting too. Though, that's another story. But like him coming of age, as that is being printed, as that that company is sort of inventing itself. Yeah, yeah, because they were much more socially conscious. Yeah, and and making choices and and what they were talking about and expressing. I mean, that was one of the ways I think, if I remember right, they tried to intentionally do so that they could distinguish themselves, right, from DC. Definitely. I mean, they were way, way more sort of street level. Yeah. Than up in the air flying around. They were like more New York. Everything's set in New York. Yeah. You know, like Spider Man's New York, you know, Fantastic yeah. Four's New York. Thor is in New York, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the you take something like the X-Men, which was definitely a lot of outcasts and outsiders related to that to that group of people. Well, a lot of racial commentary, too, as far as, you know, being mutants and not being accepted in society. Yeah. Yeah. And like the Fantastic Four was more of like a reflection of sort of the kennedy years you know of like huh. of like kennedy sort of yeah like i mean space mr. exploration kind of a thing yeah and mr fantastic and you know sue storm being reed richards and sue storm sort of being like that that couple like yeah kennedy and jackie o yeah you know? yeah yeah definitely but yeah. yeah i often wondered what it was like for him because like he was you know 12 going into those teenage years when those books came out. Yeah. So I wonder what kind of revelation that was for him. I mean, how reading all like probably was just reading DC and like Archie and stuff like that. (laughs) Right. So like when you think about, 
you know, him being impacted by those things, how intentional do you think he was to share those things with us? Do you think it was intentional? Do you think it was more osmosis? It's like he was still into it and because he was still into it, we got into it. Or was it like one of those things where it was like, I want to share this with my kids. And I ask that just because like, you've got to be thinking in some sense now, similar things of like, what are those things that I want to pass on? What are those things I want to teach? What are those things I want to share? You know? Yeah, I definitely think that he, he, he had an intent. I don't mm-hmm. think it was an osmosis thing. I think he was like, cause we, from an early age, we were playing with superior mm-hmm. action figures that he would buy us. We were reading comic books. It was mm-hmm. a huge part of our life. I'm, so the, that summer, or that 89, I think it's the same summer. I don't know if you remember this. Because they were still living. When they, in 1989, Batman came out. He was still working at Buzz. They were still living in that condo. Mm-hmm. And we would go and, like, swim every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, like, a really great, like, hot Texas summer, you know? Totally. Going to, like, Judge Roy Beans. Remember that? Oh, place? my gosh. Yes. Wow, and like get heard that dad word. or dad ordering us a Takati or black and voodoo when we go to Papa Do's, dude. You know, like yes. he used to say, yes. you know, and this didn't really relate to anything, but like he always used to say, like if my kid can fight and die for his country at eighteen, he can have a beer. But we were like twelve and fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I know the argument didn't hold. <laughs> yeah, but Texas was like that. You know, you could go to a restaurant your dad if you're with your parents you could drink a beer yeah but like remember like we'd go and eat tex-mex you know we'd go to mccarter or as we'd go to papacitos all the papas mm-hmm. places and chips and salsa every day well that was a big thing even in the house like i remember yeah. like sitting at the coffee table watching saints games which is big bowls chips and salsa and cheese pace Pace Picante. <laughs> you get it at Sam's. Sam's That's right, Club. baby. Pace Picante sauce. Heck yeah. But I, uh, I just remember. Or, or Albert's. Remember that? It was the Albert's hot sauce. Oh, yeah. And it was yeah. and, and uh, it was more to, like tomatoey. And I just remember dad always like just pouring the salt. I pouring watched, it. Dude, I watched this movie recently again. It's been a long time. It's called Affliction. It's got Nick Nolte in it and Willem Dafoe. And it's a Paul Schrader movie, but it's based on a Russell Banks book. And it's about like fathers and sons and like whatever passing down. But Nick Nolte and like Charles Coburn plays his dad. And he's like this abusive, like old man. But they both have like this thing where they just out of nowhere, take a salt shaker. They're not even eating. Just take a salt shaker and put salt on there hand and lick it <laughs> oh my goodness wow and remember the old thing dad used to do he made it into a joke about like putting the putting the salt in his belly button and 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 eating celery that way yeah yeah i do remember that he would dip so he would lay on the couch put salt in his belly button and then um dip a thing of uh celery in it that's pretty disgusting yeah Pretty disgusting. No, I, I yeah, I think he had an affinity for doing that sort of like seasoning because I remember the other thing would be when he would make um 
like he'd grill hamburgers, but then make French fries and cutting the potatoes into, you know, chunks. Yeah. And taking raw potato with like Tony's. Tony's. Yeah. Tony's on Satteries. the raw potato. Heck yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Um so yeah, he, he just kinda had a he had an affinity for seasoning random foods in random places and then eating them. Yeah. The raw potato thing was like he would get us to eat those things too. Like I remember eating that. Oh, I've done that. I still do that in case. Heck yeah, man. I haven't done that in a long time. But yeah, yeah. that was probably another sort of combo, <laughs> combo Joker combo. Maybe so. You know? Maybe so. Pressure. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> but I just saying, like, that summer was, like, really, like, a really great summer. And I think that, so we were talking about comic books and, like, the superhero thing, him being, like, introducing that and keeping it around because like i remember like when he lived in monroe there was a comic book store in monroe and we'd go with them yeah i remember saturday not every but the saturdays we were with them and they would have a pile you know they pull pot they call it set aside and it was just every comic it was like just put them all in there yeah because you read everything i remember the i remember the the little brown paper bags that they would put it in yeah put his piles in or whatever i always thought that that I just love that sound of them going into the paper bag. Yeah. And then, like, I remember that summer, though, in Dallas, I think this is the same summer. There was a huge Batman. Because every summer, DC and Marvel, they would do, like, this huge story. Sometimes it was crossover. Right. Like, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Um, But there was a huge Batman story that summer, I believe. That hmm. at, that when that introduced Bane, and really, Bane broke, and he broke Batman's back. Oh wow! That? Well, I mean, I remember it retrospectively. I don't remember that was the summer that it came I out. I think it is. I could be wrong, but like, it was called Nightfall. Yeah, that and sounds like, familiar. This whole story, like Batman gets his back broken, so he's out of commission, and this other guy who was um, called Azrael became Batman. Yeah, and he was like a bad egg. He was like he he didn't have the uh, he didn't have the self control that Batman yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. But like being like every every week, being like here comes the new installment of that, and he'd bring it home, <laughs> you know, and we'd read it. You know, it could he have been re- like do you remember? There's the Superman one, the death of Superman. Yes. That was a big, huge crossover of all this because there was like four Superman comics at the time. And same thing yeah. with Batman. And they were they were all like at the time they were telling different Batman stories. But then in those summer bonanzas, they would like combine them and you'd have to buy them all because oh, it wow. would be like every week, you know, because there's right. like Batman. There was Detective Comics. There was Dark Knight. That's crazy. Was Dark Knight and all that. And Superman was the same thing, you know, and like. Right. I, maybe it was the Superman story that was that summer or later. I mean, it was later. That was probably in the early 90s, though, when Superman died. Because that was a big story. Yeah, because for some reason, all the, both of those stories, I, and I don't know if this is just a default for me, but I I picture seeing those comics in the house in Irving. And I, but I don't know if that's – It could, be. It could be like we were – the Superman one was – Because I remember – I feel like they were still in that – condo when the nightfall 
story arc was going on. I think they definitely were that summer of 89 because, yeah. because I think, um, I mean, I have to go back and look at it, but I, cause I think they were in it not only 89, but 90 as well, because I think that was the first year. This is going to be random. I think that was the first year that LSU baseball won the college world series. And I remember watching it in that living room for sure. Also, so, I also remember watching the NBA finals there. It was like a, it was hmm. um, one of the when, the, when the bulls were winning them. It wouldn't have been that early. Yeah, it was like 90 because they won their first one in 90. The so Bulls? Was, yeah, it was nine, so they won three from 90, 93. Then he left for 94, 95. And when the Rockets won them back to back, and then he came back and they won three. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's right because the Pistons were. 89. They won it 89. Well, they won, but they won twice, didn't they? I thought they won 89 yeah, they won and 89, 90. 90. And then the Bulls won 90, 91. 91. 91-92-93. Yeah, that's right. Because I remember the Lakers winning in 88. But I remember – you mentioned LSU, though. I remember, like, Shaq w- was at LSU. And we, I remember we were, like, all, like, so excited about him. Oh, well, I remember that freshman year, which I think was – I think that was 90. But I remember his freshman year, they also had Stanley Roberts, who's another seven-footer, and Chris freaking Jackson. Yeah. And I remember Vernell Singleton. Do you mm-hmm. remember him? He wore yeah. the Snoopy the Snoopy Band-Aid yeah. all the time on his shoulder. Yeah, they had a game where they played that year. They played Loyola Marymount in the yep. regular season, and the yep. game was in the hundred in the hundred and fifties. They had and they and they won. Yeah, they had Bo Kimball and um, Hank Gathers. Hank Gathers, the late Hank Gathers. And that was the same year they beat Loyola Marymount that year, and, and played, also played UNLV. And lost. Yeah. Yep. Same yeah. similar game. Yep. Exactly right. That's because I, I remember just the sequence of UNLV would fast break, dunk, LSU would come back, Jackson would hit a three, dunk, Jackson miss a three, dunk, Jackson make a three. It was like one of those like yeah. LSU was behind, but Jackson was keeping them up because he was just stroking threes, man. He was. He might like some one time somebody asked me who was the best college but who do you think the best college basketball player was that you've seen and I said Chris Jackson and this guy was like livid with me um because he, he was like know. naming like Christian Leitner and people Stop. like that and I was like, <laughs> please <laughs> but I was like that Chris Jackson was one of the best college players I ever saw there's no question there's no question yeah. and and you know he's still around. Yeah, he's a. That's not his name now, too. It's yeah. Abdullah Abdu Roof, but right. uh, yeah. But like he's so. he's been big in the um, uh, what's the league where they do three on three? Like he's a coach or something? No, he still plays. What the, the Ice Cube lead? Yes, and he's stroking oh. it. Gray hair, gray beard, still stroking. I did not know that he played. Yes, that's crazy. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's got. He was he could he was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. <laughs> You're exactly right. He would pull he it from anywhere. Yep. And he had a handle too, just like yeah. Curry does. Yeah, absolutely. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like he is legendary. Yes. I remember Gosh. when I was playing for West Monroe and I was like I went on a tournament. They would play the tournament. The varsity team played on a tournament. I went with them. 
mm-hmm. in Gulfport. Mississippi. Mississippi. And they played at his, they played Gulfport High, which is where he went. And they had right. like this big, uh, they had like this big like picture of him in the gym. And <laughs> oh, the, nice. the same coach was there. They had coached him. Oh, wow. And he was like an older white guy with white hair, like, but he was like really nice guy. And he was like, tell, he would tell you stories about Chris Jackson. And he was like telling us one day, he was like, what, we, I, we wouldn't start practice until he missed a free throw. Oh, one my day, gosh. One day he made 250 in a row. <laughs> well, I remember, you know, that's funny you say that because I remember that's where I think I first kind of became aware or remember being aware of Dick Vitale. Yeah. Because I remember Vitell calling LSU games and Jackson going to the free throw line and him going, Mr. Automatic. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he would just, yeah, he was just sinking them, man. Yeah. Those were the, that's the, to me, like the heyday of college basketball, man. Because if you watch it now, it's terrible. I agree. Yeah. Like that, the late 80s, early 90s, man. Yep. was amazing. Like I remember I, we, when we lived in Maine, getting into the Big East games, like Syracuse Georgetown. Oh, Derek Coleman. Yeah. Sh- Sherman Douglas. Yeah. Billy. Oh, Billy Morning. Billy Owens. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and I actually even before that, like right before we moved, I remember. I don't know if it was. I don't know how we got it. I'm assuming Dad got it for us, but it was when we first got Sports Illustrated. Yeah. And we were still living in Bastrop, and I remember one of the covers, and he became my favorite player, was Sean Elliott for Arizona. Yep. And I just remember the same thing. I remember Dick Vitale calling games, talking about how smooth Elliott was, bringing the ball up the court. Like, so yeah, that whole that whole timeline uh, for college basketball was just like it just feels really really magical. It's kind of magical. It was. Yeah. It was. It really was. Somebody should do a 30 for 30. Did they do a 30 for 30 on that UNLV team? I'm sure they have. I'm that sure they was, have. That team was amazing. I'd like, like for someone there. to do a 30 for 30 on the LSU team. Yeah. Somebody should do a 30 for 30 on Dale Brown. Well, you know, there's there's some sort of – I don't know what it was. I've seen something with Shaq. And they do cover a lot of that. They cover like his, yeah. his his obviously early years at LSU with Jackson and Roberts and and I remember in that I don't know what it was, but in it, I think it was when we were back in the states and we had the SEC network and they just had tons of programming like that. And there was some sort of biography on Shaq, and he he went over like in present day over to Dale Brown's house and they were talking about those days, which is kind of cool. And he, he told the whole story about how Dale Brown found him. You know that story, right? Found him in Germany. Yeah. I always thought that the movie Blue Chips was sort of like that Nick Nolte character was sort of Dale Brown. I probably you know? probably was loosely based on. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, pretty fun. Yeah. So anyway, that summer of 89, um, it's a popular year because like, you know, Taylor Swift did like a – an album <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Called 1989, and then Ryan Adams covered it. This, no. You no, know Ryan Adams, not Brian Adams, but Ryan Adams is like a sort of yeah country rock guy. Yeah, I yeah. He he covered the the whole Taylor Swift album. The whole, oh, that's right. And she's yeah. she's tried to like have some sort of legal issues with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
But he got he got he got kind of me too. Oh, did he? Kind of. I saw him once in a grocery store in L.A. <laughs> Gelson's. All right. Is a like a small grocery chain in L.A. Uh-huh. Like sort of geared towards um, kosher food, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I saw him once in there. It was weird. He was like wanting you to recognize him type. It's never good. Never a good sign. But anyway, uh, it's been it's been really sort of cathartic to write this piece Mm. about that. Are you are are you done with the piece? Yeah, I'm just kind of polishing it up now. And I was going to try and submit it to this online site that takes submissions. Yeah. Um, and if not, I'll just put it on medium. Okay. But. Well, let yeah, us know. Cause I'd, I'd like to read that. Yeah, man. Oh, I could send it to you. Yeah. Uh, I really would like to read that. Yeah. So it's been nice, man. It's been, and it also has been very like sort of on theme because of like, what's, what's ahead for me being a father and like thinking about these things and like, uh, being able to talk about it today has been good too because you're a father you're my brother and all that so that's great mm-hmm. too you know absolutely so uh this really you know this really didn't this show really didn't this episode <laughs> didn't really have turned into what we planned i don't know if we planned anything but no i don't think it i don't think it had a a predetermined shape to it but it's taken shape which is good um yeah. but i do think I, it would be interesting to keep talking just about you know, the fatherhood aspect from our perspective and how how that obviously our own experience impacts how we think now and how you're thinking in particular, you know. Yeah, it's definitely also like a very different perspective. Once again, for us, we were talking about growing up and that you're like we lived two different childhoods. Right. right. But also as adults, we have too. The, mm-hmm. That continues because you had ch- children in your 20s, started having children in your 20s, and I'm in yeah. my 40s. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a really different experience, you know. Oh yeah, well, and that's what I think is cool is that bo- both of those are unique. Like, you know, I I I, I don't know what that's like. Um, but you also have had some sort of kind of later in life with Julep. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. But I think experiencing it for the first time um, later in life, I mean, that, that's that got to be super, super different and unique, which which is great, you know? Yeah, it is. It is really kind of I don't know if it's hit me because, like, I think I mentioned this to you before, but maybe not on here. But the pregnancy, the nine month, 10 month thing is. Mostly the woman, mm-hmm. you know, changing her body, changing, not to do anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Right. And then then that's the scary part is like when the baby's here, it's uh, you have a bit way more responsibility. Yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just everything changes at that point, you know, yeah. Um, because because, yeah, and now now. And it should, you know, every, a lot of a lot of 
life and decisions kind of revolve around how does this impact this new person, (laughs) you know, which then obviously impacts you and you become a new person because of that. Um, But I think that's the great thing about parenting is everybody kind of finds their own path of how that works best for them. And, um, and it's, it's, it's that big, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those, uh, we enjoy, we loved it. Like we loved that period of life. Obviously, you know, you've got the being tired and, you know, um, all that sort of stuff that you got to kind of work your way through. But I think that was a really exciting time for us. Um, because it was new and you're doing it and it's, 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 yeah, it just, you just feel like, okay, something shifted here, you know, like you're aware of a, of a major monumental shift. And that's kind of cool to be in very present in that. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely exciting on a level of like thinking about, you know, we're not quite, we're pretty sure we might be one and done. Mm-hmm. This is age mm-hmm. wise. But also very like, oh, man, we don't want them to because we've known a lot of only children and they <laughs> kind of suck sometimes. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Right. So you're like very like aware of that. Like, oh, man, we don't want them to be like. Yeah. A weird. But it's good that Sarah's brother has a kid that will be totally older. And yep. not quite two years. But yeah. it'll be good to have that and he may have another kid you know so mm-hmm. or probably probably are so he'll have cousins mm-hmm. yeah it's a strange thing too because we didn't have any i know yeah you know? i know and it's also like really kind of bittersweet too because like your kids are kind of grown but they will have a cousin but it'll be like this weird age gap no it was it's it's funny though i was talking with cohen about this um recently and and uh and just saying though, like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be cool though, like at some point, if we're still kind of where we're at, to to think of like, you know, cousin coming out for the summer to spend, to spend time with his English family, and to think, well, gosh, if if he's, you know, say he's, you know, thirteen, fourteen, well, you know, Julep at that point is, you know, uh, you know, twenty twenty one. That's still, I mean, that's. There's still relationship there. There's still like, yeah. you know, my cool older cousin, you know, kind of yeah, a thing yeah. there. So, uh, so yeah. So I do think like, though there's obviously a big age gap, I do think, you know, we, we would love to still kind of, well, not kind of, we would still love to be intentional, you know, in regards to being present in, in his guys, life. Yeah. You talked about that and we could talk about it later, but yeah, like, didn't it? Did England like lift all the COVID restrictions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We so we're pretty much there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're pretty much almost fully out of all restrictions. Um, you know, they just, gosh, I don't know, a month, month and a half. I lose track of things. Lifted like no more having to wear masks in indoors in places. Um, like I think just last week they talked about if you test positive on a lateral flow test, no longer do you have to confirm it with a PCR test. So it's just small things like that, you know, that are slowly just kind of dropping off, um, which is good. Yeah. So, so it's been good. I mean, we've all gotten our boosters over here as well. So we've, we've had, you know, 
three doses. Yeah. Um, so we, so. Which is good. I, I mean, yeah. I had gotten the booster. Had you? Before. That's probably it. why you just had sniffles then. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. It was nothing really. Well, all right, man. I didn't. We. I realized that we didn't do like a lead in or anything, and I thought maybe it's better if we don't. We don't have to go through that spiel. That's fine. Time, you know. I'm good with that. Yeah. So, and we're like past. Like we're at this point where we haven't done it in a while. Right. So, we're just kind of like we're casual. Came back to like maybe we. I don't know if if you're available to do it more regularly, but yeah, I think I can. But yeah, so we should probably think about like what we want to do next. Okay. Um, Come up with some ideas. I mean, the first, what was the thing we were talking about doing? I can't Ruth? remember. Was it like Ruth or something doing it on Ruth? Yeah, but I can't remember why. I mean, the last something... thing that we did was the Tower of Babel, right? We did. I think it, I don't, maybe it was Esther. I think it was Esther, Esther that we talked about yeah. doing. Yeah. But I can't remember why. We were talking about looking at her. I'm not sure. We'll have to kind of. Is the Tower of Babel in Genesis? Yeah. Yeah. So we're still in Genesis. Yeah. I mean, if you do chronologically, yeah, we're we're Genesis 11 is the Tower of Babel. And the next big story would be the story of Abraham. Which, which we've talked. We, we talked about Abraham and Isaac, but there's a lot more to Abraham because you've got. Oh man, you've got yeah, because before he had Isaac, like Abraham's traveling around and because he's scared somebody's gonna do something to him, pretends his wife is his sister. And and a ruler takes takes his takes Sarah and is like, Oh, I'm gonna like have her. And he has to be like, Uh no, she's my wife. What? Why'd you lie to me? Like so there's some crazy stuff there. Wow. I know. <laughs> I need, I should do more reading on that then. I mean, Genesis would be a fun. Uh, actually, it's an easy read because it's all narrative. Yeah. Like it's it's especially once once you get, um. Well, I mean, honestly, starting in the second chapter with Adam and Eve, it's all narrative. So it's all storytelling. The entire yeah. Genesis is just storytelling. Big picture: Adam, Eve, Noah. Noah. Yep. And then Abraham, and then you've got. Um, Noah's an interesting Isaac, one too, though, right? Oh yeah, I actually you ever just see that Darren Aronofsky movie. Totally. The Noah. Yeah, with movie. Russell Crowe. Yeah, kind of liked yeah. it. Yeah, I just I actually just preached through that. I just preached yeah. through through that story. Yeah, and there's some really interesting stuff there because, um, you know, Noah is is in many ways a heroic figure, but then after the flood. Kind of, he kind of has has some some pretty big failures, you know, and um, so it's pretty That'd be interesting. interesting to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big big scene where he gets drunk. Oh. And his, yes. and, his and his kids see him naked. Oh right. <laughs> he, doesn't he get like doesn't he like banish one of them or something? Well, interestingly, he actually um, curses. One the one who sees him naked, this his family, so his son. So that's what's, an interesting story. What's his name? The one that he um, actually banishes is Canaan. Canaan. Yeah. Does Which he go I've, off and start Canaan? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know that. That's a land. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot. I would, I think the Noah thing is kind of interesting. Yeah. Another father son thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. A lot of, I mean, that's the thing about Genesis is you just get a ton of that stuff. Because that's the whole thing with Abraham, too, like with with um, well, Abraham, when he has Isaac and then Isaac has Jacob and Esau. So you got that whole crazy story where Jacob steals Esau's birthright and because he dresses up, he puts hair on him because Esau was known as a hairy man and Jacob was going blind and I and uh, uh, or Isaac was going blind and Jacob decided, you know what? I I want the birthright, and so I'm going to trick my dad with the help of my mom by dressing up like my brother because when my dad puts his hand on my arm, he'll feel the hair and think it's Esau instead and bless me and give me my give me Esau's birthright. That sounds like a Greek. <laughs> I know. Right? It does. It's crazy stuff. Yeah, because like yeah. Zeus would like yeah turn himself into animals and do weird <laughs> stuff. Right to trick people, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. All right, okay. That's. I think we should. Uh, we should do the. I'd like to do that. No, I would like to do some reading up on that, and okay. then like, um, we can talk about that. Because right, I think that, good. like Noah's, fascinating. Yeah, it is. Fa- um, it is a fascinating story. So anyway, all right, cool. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you do listen, we appreciate it. Uh, sorry for uh, the long sort of hiatus, but uh, life gets in the way. Life happens. And um, but anyway, you can uh, stop the recording if you want. I'm afraid oh, that right. just... I forgot I was the one that was doing yeah. it. Yeah. All right, here we go. Starting.